Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello there and welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. Owen and Murph here in studio. The reason there's no Ken Early here is that Ken has landed in his favourite city in the world, Las Vegas, for the McGregor-Aldo fight. You may remember we sent our best man over to cover what was supposed to be McGregor-Aldo in July. Turned out to be McGregor versus Chad Mendes in the end. But the fight was, to be honest, pretty much incidental to the glowing report that Ken sent back about the essential character of the place that he visited, the Vegas that he found. I've had a listen back this morning, a few select quotes from Ken's last trip. There's something I've discovered over the last couple of days. It's a really terrible place, says Ken. There's something slightly alienating about walking around these gigantic casinos, watching all these people on mobility scooters with oxygen tubes in their nose feed their grandchildren's inheritance into slot machines. Um, What else have we got here? To look around at this, to think that this represents an aggregate form, this is apparently what we as a species want, it's an unsettling frame of mind to spend a lot of time in. Uh, do you want one more, Murph? Will I give you one more for the road? Yeah, sure, why not? Go Regardless on. of their different stylings, all the hotels are exactly the same. The sameness of it is really depressing after a while, and you're kind of like, Jesus Christ, how do I escape from this? <laughs> <laughs> so he's going to give it three out of five. Well, uh, yeah, three stars, three cans out of five. But the bravery of the man, the inherent decency of him, the just the almost slavish devotion to top quality journalism mm. has, has overridden the fact that he despises the place that he is spending the next number of days in and he's gone back over it's the stoicism of it really <laughs> you know it's uh, you know we, we say Ken we were sending you to Vegas <laughs> Ken we're sending you to Vegas and just that stiff upper lip you know I mean he's just he's just able to to just say fair enough if that's what if that's what we need and that's where I'm going. I haven't even mentioned the roller coaster. I don't even want. I think we talked enough about the roller coaster last time. Yeah. Uh, at the New York, New York hotel. New York, New York seemed to be among his favorites. He enjoyed Paris, Excalibur. The Excalibur hotel really seemed to. Mm. Get him. He felt that the Flamengo had lost a bit of its old luster. Of course, that's one of the classic old, yeah. old school yeah. Vegas hotels. I, yeah. I, I, the line about how if this is what we want as a species, I despair. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. that's particularly harsh. I mean, I would be inclined to say, well. You know, there, many things make up a species. 
and enough of our species think Vegas is great for Vegas to be a going concern. Enough of our listeners, Murph. A lot of people yeah. listeners have been to Vegas. A lot and, of them, and the re- most of the rest of them. Do you? Am I wrong about this? Maybe tweet me. Let me know. Do you want? Is it a dream to go to Las Vegas? I mean, for example, I'm getting married next year, Murph. Yeah. And quite a few people who will be going on the SAG party uh, have said, Vegas? And I've replied, no. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't want to go to Las Vegas for my SAG. Yeah. Uh, it's just not it's nothing that appeals to me. Like Ken, I've been there myself. Again, I've only been on my own. Maybe I need to go on a SAG. Yeah. Just not my own to fully experience the place, but Hell, so far, Jesus, I'm not going to go on my own. Yeah, no, 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 I'm not going to waste my own stag on that one. You know, <laughs> just some mate or something. You know, but uh, you know, the couple of times I've been there have been brief enough sojourns. Uh, one, one was a one nighter, and mm. that was with my cousin who was about 18 at the time. And um, the thing about 18 year old Americans, they tend to just accept that they're 18 and not necessarily try to get in places mm. that are strictly 21s as the places in Vegas seem to be. So they don't have that get up and go. <laughs> no. that, that we, we of course. Show. I mean, I'm not saying that, that you should. Obviously, you shouldn't ever and you certainly shouldn't present any identification that but, would indicate. I mean, but that the enterprising happen, but. spirit. I mean, we have yeah. to remember that our enterprising spirit here on this side of the, mm, the pond. The pond, indeed. Um, is something to be celebrated, even if. You know, the, the, the end result is not something that obviously we would condone. So my experience that time with my cousin was literally just walking up and down the strip a few times. <laughs> then going back to our crappy hotel. Yeah. We weren't staying in one of the fancy hotels. Yeah. We were I kind of feel but... maybe we haven't given Vegas a fair shake on no. this show. Okay, if you do like Vegas and you love Vegas, uh, maybe get in touch with us. But that's the, where was I? Oh, US Murph, yeah. We're going to talk to Brian today about the forgotten Splash Brother Murph. Mm. Uh, Dave... <laughs> Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson Clay Thompson Clay Thompson He was He took it over For They're 23-0 now They can't stop winning And in this case Steph Curry Just left the floor To Clay Thompson Have Have you noticed With US Murph though That he's He's a lot more Boastful about I mean he's a very Zen character I mean he You know he He uh, He never gets too ex- Like he He's an ex- He's an optimistic sort But he's not a, He's not an excitable sort And he's certainly not Vindictive I mean, I think maybe we got a small look at it when the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers were kind of at each other's throats for a couple of seasons there. He did seem to really dislike the Seattle Seahawks. But at the same time, he was still pretty calm about the whole thing. He really enjoys sticking it to the rest of the country over the Golden State Warriors. He really does. I have noticed that. I think maybe with the uh, if you compare it to the San Francisco Giants, who mm. in the years since we've started... Support, uh, started supporting Brian. <laughs> I, I support. I'm a Brian Murphy supporter, <laughs> sure. And since we started talking to Brian, have exploded and have won what three World Series in five years. In yeah. five years, and yet he's remained very humble about them. I don't yeah. think he can quite believe t- even now that they. I think he thinks there might be some scandal. Something might happen whereby they lose all these titles because yeah. there was it was such a losing franchise as they say, to America for so long. But so are the Warriors. I, I don't know. He, there definitely is that sense. Maybe he's more bullish by them because he thinks they actually will dominate for yeah. years, which is the way it looks at the moment, even though they've only... He was talking about a dynasty before they'd even gotten into the playoff finals last year. This is a dynasty team. You're like, Brian, yeah. calm down. <laughs> but uh, no, they're still going uh, incredibly strong. So we'll talk about that. And we're going to chat to the man who's built a massive reputation in Australian rules. He's just signed a new contract in the last few days. So we're looking forward to catching up with Pierce Hanley, Murph. Yeah, um, if you remember, uh, we're obviously in the in the time of year when book reviews, uh, book recommendations are always uh, worthwhile, and we'll uh, be doing a, a a piece on that in the next next week as well. But the Keith Duggan book on Mayo football, a lot of it is about the ones that got away, 
the guys who emigrated to America or the guys who Porrick Brogan is a name that comes up a lot in the book as a guy who just never fulfilled his talent for whatever reason to that long tradition of could have been could have been male superstars you can probably add Pierce Hanley because mm-hmm. for many people no one would have seen him really playing Gaelic, Gaelic football he left for Australia when he was just out of minor um, but if you watch the international rules, I think it was last year in Australia, he was absolutely brilliant. And you're, I'm sure, I mean, just for me watching, it's like, God, I'd love to see this guy playing Gaelic football. So if you're a male supporter, I can only imagine what's going on there in your own head when you're watching this guy as good as he is um, now play, uh, playing, a, uh, playing his trade for the Brisbane Lions in the AFL. Has been over there since 2007. Uh, is now one of the best players in the league, one of the best 30 or 40 players in the league without any shadow of a doubt. Yeah, he's, he's got gotten through the 100-game barrier this time, played this time this season. Yeah, played uh, played his 100th game in the 2015 season, has signed a contract now that will keep him over there till 2019, and then he'll be 31 years old. And I know that Mayo fans would be very interested to hear his age at the end of that contract <sighs> because Ty Canale has shown that it can be done. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, why, why not dream? But... Uh, he's obviously an exceptional athlete uh, only really behind Canelli and Jim Steins as the most successful Irish uh, export to the to the Aussie rules and uh, yeah actually guy we I don't think we've ever spoken to before so that'll be that'll be interesting no just worth mentioning uh, by way of context before we get to that chat later that the team he's involved with Brisbane finished 17th of 18 clubs in 2015 mm. so a complete nightmare for them and yet he's chosen this offseason to sign an extension to his contract which is interesting because as you say he'd be a coveted player and they can do trades over there you can it's not a particularly it's not a sport where you're necessarily tied to the same club mm. for your entire career and like that I presume he would have had could have certainly put himself in with a chance of moving to another club if he wanted but he's decided to stay with them so we'll try to get to the bottom of that a little bit later but right now let's go to Vegas Oh, there's blackjack and poker and the roulette wheel A fortune won and lost on every deal All you need is strong heart and a new steel Viva Thanks a lot, Pepe Viva Go ahead, Pepe, you're the last one Viva Yes, sir I'm their new world veteran of the championship Well, Kenny, how is Vegas this time? Is it love at second sight for you? Uh, it's a lot more relaxed, um, Owen. I have to say, it's a, it's a lot. There's a lot uh, fewer people around. That's the main difference. Uh, well, no, the, sorry, the main difference is that it's about twenty degrees cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, not too far off the kind of weather um, that we're having at home at the moment. Uh, and apparently, it's supposed to rain. Uh, tonight and tomorrow, so actually quite similar uh, to being home. Uh, there are very, uh, very much fewer people here, uh, and I don't just mean here at the MGM. I mean kind of generally around the town. Like I'm, you're just walking down the street, and there's just not as many, nowhere near as many people. It's almost as though um, early to mid December isn't as much of a holiday season as the beginning of July. I had read one article that there was a rodeo convention in town. You haven't come across any. Cowboys oh, along your right, bloody right there is Owen. Uh, there is a and the first I knew of the rodeo convention was when I checked into my room and saw that on my room key, where in July the the key cards 
all had um, Aldo McGregor on them, you know, pictures of the of the fighters and that. This time, it's just a man in a Stetson hat <laughs> lassoing a bull, <laughs> and uh, and it's clear that the uh, I don't know exactly what it is. I mean, it's definitely sponsored by Wrangler. I can tell you that it may even be called Wrangler 15, mm. but it's like it's kind of. I imagine what the national playing championships is is a bit like in term in an American terms, and what you what it boils down to is essentially thousands of men in stetson hats and high brown leather cowboy boots and voluminous blue jeans, uh, sort of stomping around with that dis- distinctive cowboy gait. Uh, this this it's it's down at the university. I think I'm not quite sure where the venue is. Uh, I'm going to try and see if I can go down to it. You've got to go down there. you got to get down really, there between now I really want to go and yeah. see like a day of, a day of rodeo. <laughs> I, mean, I was watching a bit of it on TV and it looks, it looks like good fun, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, there are apparently a few tickets knocking about. So I will, I am hoping to get and go to go and see a bit of it, but that's undoubtedly the main event uh, in town right now. This whole UFC, Conor McGregor, Jose Aldo thing is, very much a sideshow on this occasion. So it doesn't sound like there's an Irish invasion this time. You, you did mention the time of the year there. Do you think maybe there's an element that people do Vegas once in their lifetime usually? And if once in their lifetime, and maybe the, a lot of the Irish fans, in fairness, they were booking what they thought was the McGregor-Aldo fight the first time around, and maybe they didn't want to dip into the pockets a second time? I'd say there is an element to that, but I think the biggest single element is that the last time there was tons and tons of J1 students. So loads of these people who were on J1s in, you know, in like uh, San Francisco and LA and Chicago and Vancouver and whatnot all, uh, and, and all, uh, you know, they all kind of converged here. And obviously there's not really so many J1 students in December, um, if any. Uh, so you're kind of missing out all those people. Uh, you know, they're not going to come. I mean, there was quite a lot of Irish people who kind of live over here who decided to come up uh, for that last one as well. But, you know, the whole thing just seems a lot more low-key to me this time around. Um, I think the build-up was a lot more... I mean, the, you know, the build-up was obviously different. The last time they had this this big international uh, press tour uh, with lots of press conferences kind of focused specifically on this fight and lots of, you know, Aldo McGregor face-offs and, you know, McGregor grabbing the belt and all that kind of stuff. Whereas this time, what there's been is a lot of this... Uh, boring reality tv show the ultimate fighter which obviously conor mcgregor is a, is a kind of a coach or you know host and he's kind of like cheryl cole in this reality show and it's just kind of it's just sort of boring you know what i mean it's like this nonsense every week um uh, and very little of jose aldo uh, in fairness he doesn't really tend to say a whole lot uh, at the best of times um so it kind of just feels a bit like uh, you know the build-up to this has been going on for more than a year now um has there ever been a fight that's such a long lead-in? And I think everyone is just maybe a little bit tired of it at this stage and just wants this part of it to be over and the actual fight to happen so that, you know, we can move on with our lives. But surely McGregor at least threw a few bombs into the press conference last night. Well, this is the thing. This is, it's, it's like, it, it's kind of, um, uh, the, the press conference, they set aside 90 minutes for it. And it was all wrapped up inside 45 minutes. I mean, it just didn't really catch fire at all. Um, it was uh, Conor McGregor up there in a, what I would describe on as a sky blue, a, a slightly shiny sky blue polo shirt. Um, most of the other guys in suits, uh, which is the new fashion in the uh, UFC. Everyone wears a suit now, apart from Conor McGregor, who's moved on to polo shirts. Uh, the press conference was so insipid 
that somebody eventually asked whether his choice of uh, clothing was uh, significant. Was he was he attempting to show how relaxed he was about this, given that he wasn't wearing the usual sort of three-piece suit, you know, I mean, and he said, well, you know, looking around, I still feel that I am the best dressed uh, at the table here. Uh, but, the, you know, that was, that kind of got a bit of a laugh. Uh, and that was probably the highlight of the press conference. So I'm, I'm telling you, Owen, that it wasn't really, <laughs> it wasn't that exciting. I mean, uh, even the, the yeah, go on. Even the stare down uh, looked to me as though they did the, the usual thing where they face up to each other. And in this case, are they bored themselves of this build up, do you think? I honestly think they are. I really think they are. And I noticed after the stare down, there was a little nod uh, from McGregor to Aldo, which is not the kind of thing that usually, usually used to happen. It's kind of a, you know, see you tomorrow or whatever he, whatever he was expressing with that little nod. It certainly wasn't the uh, the type of stuff that we've more often seen, which is, you know, this, this calculated, uh, very um, uh, overt, you know, disrespect. But, I mean, what did they actually say? I mean, McGregor came out, he was in this very... Uh, you know, the first thing he said, I'm in a state of zen right now, yeah, talking about how calm and composed he is. And that was kind of the, the tone he was try, trying to strike. There wasn't anything provocative. There wasn't anything uh, aggressive or, or uh, obnoxious. It was just very um, kind of uh, business-like and, um, you know, not to, put, to find a point on it, I suppose, kind of boring. Um, he just uh, talking about as perfect as preparation is. Uh, I mean... What did he say? There was really only one point at which he he, he even said anything remotely uh, irritating uh, about Aldo, which was how he felt that Aldo had allowed him to get into his head, um, you know. And and he's you know Aldo is he's stuck. He's like a lot of individuals in life stuck in the same patterns. You know, he does the same. He hits the same. Uh, he does the same routines. He's stuck in the mud. You know, he's stuck in the same. Uh, repetition closes the mind. All this kind of. Stuff yeah. forever, which is, yeah. I mean, Aldo was like, yeah. Actually, I, I don't think I'm like that, and uh, you should bet on me to win. You know, he doesn't really like. He he was he was giving lines like, well, you know, a fight's a fight. So, you know, I mean, what what what, what can I say to you? There's not really a whole lot going on. No, it doesn't <laughs> sound like I, I. Yeah, it doesn't. It sounds like uh, I'm just. You know, what I'm concerned for here again. What? There's only one man. There's only one figure in the sport that I'm worried about tonight. Who's that? Well, your your pal Dana White. I mean, surely he's got to, got to be a bit concerned about this lack of oomph in the build-up. He's all about oomph, Ken. He's an oomph merchant. Oh, uh, he is. Yeah, he was there. I mean, he he, he answered a few uh, questions himself. Uh, there wasn't really. I'm trying to. I'm just scanning through my notes here to see if the, if he said anything interesting at any point. Uh, no, I mean, he said he said it's been a much easier week than I would have anticipated so far. It's been a much easier week because there's barely anything really going on. It's just been a very, like, uh, yeah, you know, here we all are. Let's fights on Saturday. I suppose we have to do a bit more of this nonsense. Uh, it, it 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 does seem as though the whole the whole cast of characters involved in it are a little bit fatigued by build up, and it's just a case of, yeah, we just need to, something to actually happen now in the. You know, to give everyone, we, we've kind of been through all this. This has all been done already. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose from his point of view, he's got to be thinking about the, the pay-per-views. From his point of view, it would be better if uh, there was a, if there was more going on that people could kind of talk about, you know, if the, that, that would grab the attention. I mean, in a weird way, the last one, obviously with the, the big pressure that they'd done, built up a certain amount of hype around it. But then the fact that Aldo sort of pulled out and was replaced at short notice created an additional, you know, wave of sort of hype or at least talk about the fight, even if the talk was of the nature of, oh, what a joke, this big fight is off. 
but still it's the kind of thing where people are um, talking about it and maybe ultimately that does drive interest I mean McGregor I'm trying to think if do you say anything interesting they, they put it to him Tyson Fury had, had suggested that that he was just copying Tyson Fury um, that McGregor was copying Tyson Fury yeah oh. Tyson Fury said he's this guy basically just copies everything I do he's been copying um He's been copying me since day one. <laughs> I think if he uh, was copying figures from the boxing world, they might be of a slightly uh, higher historical stature than Tyson Fury would be my guess. Do you think yeah. Conor McGregor really knew much about Tyson Fury when he embarked on his um, marketing campaign, if that's what you'd call it? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that Tyson Fury was... No, he may well have been aware of him, all right, but I don't know if I don't know if he necessarily would have been looking to him as someone to emulate. I'm not sure anyone even is now with Tyson Fury, to be honest. Um, you know, his response to that was, you know, I've been compared to lots of fighters: uh, Chael Sonnen, Anderson Silva, Muhammad Ali. Now you're trying to compare me to Tyson Fury. I continue as my own man. I'm on my own journey. Tyson is an amusing character, but I am me. I am nobody else but me. So, you know, he was just real. You know, he, he's obviously just kind of uh, pro- projecting this uh, serene image of, oh, you know, I'm, I've got all my preparation done. I feel great. Nothing worries me. I'm going to beat this guy in the first round, blah, blah, blah. You know, but you, you kind of know he's always going to say that. You know, he's not giving much away. He does look to be in reasonably good shape uh, in terms of uh, the weight. He doesn't look as though he's, he's carrying too much weight beyond what he needs to be. So, um yeah, that's another potential element of drama, which I suppose has been just sucked out of it. Your prediction, Ken? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say with this thing. Um, McGregor is the odds is is the odds on favourite, um, you know, which he he wasn't in the in the lead up to the last one uh, before Aldo pulled out, but he is now. Uh, and if you listen to him, he's he's kind of been saying for the last year that he's going to win easily. And that this guy has no chance. I mean, that's what he, that's just what he says. I don't know if he necessarily always tells what he tells the truth. I don't know if he, I don't know if you always get like what he's really thinking or just what he wants you to think he's thinking. Um, but according to him, this is going to be an easy fight. Um, according to Jose Aldo, uh, he's going to win. Um, I actually have no idea. It's very difficult to judge because it's so long since Jose Aldo has, has fought that you don't really know what kind of level he's at. And McGregor kind of says he's an old man. He's, you know, he wants out of the sport. He's kind of, he, he's not hungry anymore, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's true. Uh, or maybe, you know, he's he's determined to prove a point. Maybe he's determined to, I mean, he has always been formidable. You know, he's undefeated um, in this competition. Uh, he's been the champion for, what, five years. So, um, you know, he's a, he's a pretty solid guy. I mean, McGregor did say at some point, uh, you know, I feel I, I'm, I've got something to prove. And uh, a man who's got something to prove is a dangerous individual. Uh, whereupon somebody said, well, hang on, you always say you don't have anything to prove. And he said, well, you know, uh, people are always trying to talk me down and say that I, you know, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. Well, if I beat this guy who's the undefeated champion, you know, he's rated the best pound-for-pound fighter in the sport. If I beat him, then who can say anything? You know what I mean? So this this appears to be what he thinks he's proving. He's proving beyond all doubt that he is, you know, the greatest. Great stuff, Kenny. You've got to find your way to the Thomas and Mack Centre at some point in the next couple of days. That's where the 2015 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, that's actually the way they phrase it. That's, that's the correct syntax. Well, that's the syntax they use. The 2015 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo is on. Oh, yeah, that does make sense. And uh, I think about it. Yeah. Each December, Ken, the top 15 contestants in bareback riding, steer wrestling, team roping, saddle bronc riding, tie down roping, barrel racing, 
and bull riding qualified to compete at the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. Yeah, now it does seem as though that's where all the action is at <laughs> this week. This is It's something that reminds you of what a big countryside there is in America and how many people, how many country people, how many good country folks there are out there. There's a big line dancing thing on. There's something called Cowboy Christmas, <laughs> which I think I'm gonna, I've got to go and see. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. so, I, it's, so it seems to me as so, though, yeah, this, uh, you know, Western sports is... Um, is maybe the main event, and you know, hopefully, the fight itself uh, gives us something to talk about on Monday. Because uh, I just feel, <laughs> I just feel like I'm sucking the life out of this podcast with this, uh, with this account of the not very, uh, not very exciting build. It's okay, to, uh, Ken. You've been sucking the life out of it on location, so that's okay. Yeah. We're not both in studio sucking the life out of the thing. Thanks, thanks very much, Ken. Enjoy the next couple of days. Good, I'll talk to you soon. Looking forward to it. Well, I'm not going to like you, and it doesn't sound like he's very, he's very excited over there. Mm. Possibly, he seems marginally less grimmed out by the place, yeah. almost acclimatised to it now. Doesn't like seem as though he's being less shot. Less grimmed out, but M- more still. More bored. Yeah, more at least he, bored. At least yeah. he was fascinated while being grimmed out, whereas now he just sounds like he's... It's just a, a terrible time. family <laughs> holiday that you have to go on every year. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sorry, Ken. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get you right. Which is your favourite one of those genre of rodeo, Murph? I'll, Go through them again if I can get them up here. We had uh, steer wrestling. Yeah. Bareback riding. Mm-hmm. I think I know. I, I don't want to preempt it, Murph, but I think team roping. You're a team player. Yeah. GA background. I think you'd be more into that than, say, the saddle bronc riding or the tie-down roping or the barrel racing. Well, you can piss off with the barrel racing right away. You can forget about that. What that's doing in a prestigious yeah. event like the 2015 Wrangler Rodeo, I have no Gosh, idea. I've well, listen, it's been a bugbear of mine for years. <laughs> but I would say the team roping, that sounds like that sounds like fun. Um, like a tug of war. Only with a live... <laughs> I actually... You know what, Owen? I think we're swimming pretty far from shore We, we here. might be, yeah. So let's get um, from Vegas to San Francisco. It's time to hit up US Murph. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. We're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. He's out on his feet. Frank Cappuccino's going to let him keep going. Got it! Got it. Touchdown! 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 Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Brian Murphy, how are you this week? Boys, boys, things are good, things are well. I tell you how I am. I'm I re- I received a package in the mail that made my week two times better than it already was. Mm-hmm. I am now the proud owner of the second captain's first ever sports annual. Wow. Boys, uh, you've outdone yourselves. Pulitzer Pulitzers <laughs> and Nobels are coming Nobel prizes for literature are coming your way. Congratulations. And I'm here to tell you I actually did a spit take of laughter reading uh, the story of Kieran, and I think his name is Shane Curran. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> something about it hit me right. I had coffee what? in my mouth. <laughs> spit the coffee onto the page. So I've already got coffee-stained uh, pages. So I am uh, so proud of you guys, and I hope those things are flying off the shelves at Christmas time because uh, I know I enjoy it. Oh, yeah, they're doing nicely. You, you like the photograph of um, of Woody Harrelson to 
represent your time in art? I, I, I did. I, it was fantastic. Everything was great, except for I just realized as I was writing it, and I remember when I talked to you guys about this, that if I was going to represent my time at O'Donohue's Pub uh, correctly, I was going to have to use some language <laughs> that I don't usually use in my sports writing days. <laughs> it, oh, in fact, never used in my sports writing days. And while I did get a kick out of seeing the stories and the quotes as accurately depicted, it did dawn on me, as I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, I thought, okay. This one stays at the office. They can read it in about ooh ten years. So uh, that daddy's story is going to have to be enjoyed sometime around twenty twenty five. Yeah, uh, when ears get a little coarser and more calloused than they uh, they currently are. Yeah, we should have thought of that. We should have got the printer to print off uh, just a very small <laughs> run of family friendly editions of the, of the book. But thank you very much for the. Well, comments. hey man, like we said, it's you know it's like Hunter Thompson. You got to do Gonzo journalism. You got to tell the <laughs> truth, right? So. Uh, these were the these are the words that were bandied about the pub. So, uh, but no, I mean the thing is unbelievable. I I'll, I could go on and on the entire podcast. Oh, about please it. do. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it uh, I lent it to remember my buddy Patrick Connor Pecan oh, yeah. who came over and visited you guys, and I gave him the run of it for the first four hours when I had I got it the morning and then I gave it to him while we were doing the show and he was roaring with laughter behind the glass. Uh, and he even we even commented on it briefly on the air, and it was for him. It was the uh, Owen McDevitt action jeans that uh, <laughs> sent him over the top. So the uh, the skinny jeans with the ability to uh, flex into a kick at any time. Jeans not actually him available, going. yeah. But uh, there you go. Listen, the Conor McGregor Jose Aldo fight is something we've just been talking about. Um, I don't know. I, I think we'll be talking Warriors in just a second yet again, Brian. After last week, but uh, just wondering has the, has the McGregor phenomenon made any impact on? Your own consciousness there? He's fighting this weekend? Well, you know, I'd love to, like, just feed the fire, right, and tell you guys that Conor McGregor's the greatest sportsman in America and that uh, Steph Curry uh, is, at, is, is lining up for Conor McGregor's autograph and all these things that the Irish crowd wants to hear. But I'm going to have to be honest in that I, I, right now we're at a slow burn, should we say, a slow burn. Uh, should we say steady goes um, – we'll do the tortoise and the hare. It's a slow burn leading into Saturday's fight. I was talking to you guys off the air about this, and that is, I think, you know, here we are midweek in in the states. It's Christmas time. You know, um, we have uh, the Warriors in the midst of this historic win streak. People are going to holiday parties. The NFL, of course, always occupies weekends. College football playoff. We just got our final four teams. Those are the obvious headlines. But the fight's the kind of thing that by Saturday night, I'm certain that I'll be logging onto Twitter and I'll be seeing a lot of people who I would follow for reasons for baseball or basketball or football, and they'll be buying the fight and they'll be tweeting about it. Sometimes that's the way it is with fights. You know, these day and age, you know, with all this media landscape and our fractured attention spans and all the things that are tugging at us uh, 24 hours a day, McGregor will get his run, but I think it's going to take until Saturday. You know, it's a little bit of an odd time to have a fight like this, uh, you know, December, literally. I mean, you're talking about putting up trees and, and got to go shopping and everybody's having their parties and the office holiday parties and blah, blah, blah. All these things are going down. But I'm looking forward to Saturday coming and hopefully having the time to buy it. And and when, when that comes, I'm certain that it will uh, that it will burn. But if I had to like, you know, right now from our perspective, especially here in California, but really now nationally and dare I say even, you know, globally based on what I talked to you guys about last week, if the Warriors' undefeated start to the season, if I put that at a hundred, I'd put the McGregor hype right now at a uh, around a five. So, uh, so he's got some room to grow by Saturday. Now that's fair enough. And the Warriors are up to twenty-three and zero now. Brian, the hero of the hour in their most recent game was the much forgotten Splash Brother, the other guy. What's his name? 
Yeah, I know. You know what's funny? So, guys, we're doing our, our year-end awards. We do this now 10 years in a row. We do our year-end awards on, on our radio show, the Murph and Mac Show. We do our Murph and Mackies, which is our, uh, our year-end awards, and we try to highlight some of the more comical things that happen during our year and also give out a few real serious awards to, to your, player, your player of the year, your team of the year, your game of the year. But then we also do kind of wacky comedy bits of the year. And, uh, and one, of our little, um, one of our little bits is going to be, well, I, I don't mean to spoil the surprise, but you guys may walk away with a Murph and Mackey this year. What? And it had us combing through your visit what? in May – because it was a highlight through the year, and the, and the sound bites we were culling were all about Owen wearing the Splash Brothers shirt with the medium tag still on it. Remember that? He still had the tag on the shirt, revealing that he had bought it at the gas station with the medium size. And uh, it was, of course, representing not just Steph Curry, but Clay Thompson, too. And that just goes to show you how Owen was on the ground mm-hmm. floor. Everybody's running away with Curry. Everybody loves Curry. Everybody's going to arenas two hours early to watch him warm up, but Owen always had Clay Thompson's back, <laughs> and he went off last night, scored 39 points in Indiana. That was yet another game that people said, well, this is going to be the one where it ends because Indiana's really good, and Paul George is the conference player of the month, and this is going to come to an end at some point, and this is the fourth game of a seven-game or the fifth game of a seven-game road trip, and they're not going to win every game, blah, blah. We've heard the same thing in Toronto. We've heard other, other stops along the way at Utah the week before, tough places with good crowds. When you'd think to let the – this the natural reaction would be for the Warriors to have a letdown. But Clay Thompson had his best night of the season last night, made 10 three-pointers. That's 10 splashes for you there, Owen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he gets uh, the Warriors to another win in Indiana. Sadly, he did roll his ankle. So as we speak, he's questionable for Friday night's game in Boston – which I know so many Irish uh, may, may get a chance to go uh, live in Boston and check out the Celtics and the Warriors on Friday night as the Celtics try to end this streak, which is now the greatest start in the history of North American professional sports. I think I mentioned this last week, but if not, just to cover my bases, the previous one, it wasn't about the uh, the you know the New England Patriots going 18 and 0 in 2007. It wasn't about the you know the New York uh, Knicks uh, in 1969-70. It wasn't about the Milwaukee Brewers or Atlanta Braves having great starts in 1987. No, the 1884 St. Louis Maroons baseball team, a team nobody had ever heard of, but played two years in something called the United League that nobody even knows existed. They went 20-0, and 0, and now the Warriors have eclipsed that. So we say, suck it, St. Louis Maroons. <laughs> I was watching the highlights of that game against Indiana, and one thing I noticed was on more than one occasion, Steph Curry looked to me as though he had a pretty good chance to, well, by his standards, a 100% guilt edge chance to nail a three-pointer. But he actually chose to pass it to Thompson instead. Is he just looking out for his buddy there? Yet another astute observation from uh, from Dr. McDevitt, the basketball, the, the basketball guru. <laughs> Yet another – no, seriously, you're right. He had 10 assists last night. He led the team. And that's a, that's a true story. These guys continue to confound with their selflessness – Every sport we've followed since we were little kids up until our grown days now, we're always looking for that team player. We're always looking for that, uh, you know, that uh, glue guy, as we've talked about. Uh, The guys who, the Warriors have an entire roster full of them. 
there's not one bad apple. We keep waiting, you know, for something to come up. You know, oh, this guy's not happy with his contract, or this guy's not happy with his minutes, or this guy's not happy with his point total. It's just not happening. And when you have Stephen Curry, who is now, by the way, guys, and I mean, how many times through the years did we talk about LeBron James, right? You and I, we all talked about LeBron for years, about his role as the next Michael Jordan, et cetera, et cetera. Man, Steph Curry has raced past LeBron as the most compelling and complete and best player in the league, which is pretty amazing to think about. And it's he's doing it not just by being this spectacular shooter and scorer, but by being a spectacular teammate, too. No ego, no attitude, uh, no pouts, no tantrums. And when he sees Clay Thompson has his shot working for the first time really all year, he does everything to facilitate him. So... Just yet another example. We're running out of words on Curry. We're waiting for, you know, it's funny now we're waiting for, we're waiting for the backlash, you know, because now, you know, we've all expressed our love and admiration. Now it's time for the country to like turn on the Warriors and Curry. That's the next, that's the only next move left. You know, give me a couple more words on Clay Thompson before we let you go then, Brian. He did, I read a piece about him, which was, well, I was comparing him to Curry. I don't think anyone's trying try to talk about him in that bracket, but just more their personalities where Curry's this super confident guy. He carries himself like a superstar on the field, albeit one who's a team player. Thompson sound, sounded in the piece I read to be more like the kind of guy who needs a bit of a confidence boost or has needed a bit of a confidence boost over the years. Not exactly maybe your typical NBA shooter. It's kind of true, actually, and it's a good observation by the writer, and, and it's another reason why the Warriors fit, because if you had two guys who were total alpha males, you know, you'd wonder, well, which guy's going to get, you know, there would be an inherent tension or there would be an inherent conflict somewhere along the way. It almost works to their benefit that Clay has that slightly subordinate personality. He's quieter. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't take over the court as confidently as Stephen Curry does. Now, mind, Steph Curry has really done this only in the last year. I mean, it mm. took him years to get where he is. And Clay is younger than Steph. In fact, uh, I want to say off the top of my head, what is he, three years younger than Steph? Right. Maybe two or three years younger. I'll have to check the ages. So, you know, maybe in two years he'll be different. Maybe um, it'll be that time. Or maybe he's just one of those guys who is happy being the second banana. And, you know, believe me, a famous and well-paid and, and you know, and superstar second banana. It's not like the guy's being left in the gutter or forgotten. He's definitely a huge star and he gets, mo you know, he gets mobbed everywhere he goes, just not nearly to the level of Curry. And it kind of fits with him. I think he's happy that Curry gets that kind of attention that, you know, we talked about this, I think last week, that Curry's warmups have now turned into the circus, you know, it's it, it, 90 minutes before the game now, the thousands of people, and the reason why I'm bringing it up since last week is that they, they went to Brooklyn over the weekend. And so, you know, anything that happens in, in New York City or the boroughs of New York gets magnified that much by American media. And so him going to Brooklyn was sort of the true test of how the crowd would, would greet him. And typical New York crowd, they love stars. They went nuts for Curry. They were cheering for him more than they were cheering for the hometown Nets. And there was a, vi a viral video instantly of a kid getting uh, Curry to sign his jersey, and he was screaming and shrieking. It was like Beatlemania all over again. And I think Clay doesn't want that. I think Clay's happy being Clay Thompson, quiet guy. Uh, let Curry be that guy. So you just yet another example of how the puzzle pieces fit for the for the undefeated Warriors, who I continue to tread out this stat since the start of last year, are now including the playoffs, one hundred and six wins. And 20 losses in utterly um, impossible to comprehend those kind of numbers, guys. 
Well, Brian, I will definitely be strutting around the office over the next week or two, calling myself Dr. McDevitt, the basketball guru. <laughs> Do you still have the shirt, by the way, is my question. Oh, the shirt? Yeah, it's not on me today. I really, it's a, ra- a rarity. It's a rare day that I don't wear my splash boards. But it's it's around, and I've also still got my, yeah. <laughs> yeah, will you wear it to the pub? Will you just, like, go down and knock around, have a pint, wearing the, wearing the Splash Brothers tee? Yeah, I think I could probably do that. I don't know if I've done that okay. yet. It's more of, it's usually been more casual wear, or work wear. I like to dress down okay. and work. But, right. uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'll you're... take it to the pub this weekend. How about the giant scarf? Is that still is that still that, intact? That is still doing the rounds. Giant scarf, giant's hat, and I think uh, a pair of sunglasses maybe was commandeered yeah, at some stage. But listen, uh, Brian, brilliant stuff as ever. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys, and good luck to your man, Conor McGregor. Ah, I've got that warm, fuzzy feeling I often have after a chat with Brian Kieran. Not only did he give me that nickname, uh, which I'm pretty happy about, he it sounds as though we could be in line for a Murph and Mackey. Yeah. I mean that that's pretty big for me. I, I, you know, it's it's been a while since we've picked up an award. Yeah, you know, got screwed at the Iftis. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is just what we need. Damn you, Arkel. Yeah, um, really got screwed there. So um, never like that horse. <laughs> so, like, what's the story? Like, is he going to get us back on air? Oh, I would hope so. I, I mean, I think that's the least we could do. Uh, Mackey, uh, award there. He also gave us quite a nice plug for the book there. Mm-hmm. Uh, not set up in advance. That might sound as though we're in touch with Brian and saying, this is what you have to say about our book. Brian is just very enthusiastic. Yeah. And I think, you know, he's, he's used to the American style of media where plugging stuff is pretty much, uh, there are some podcasts which are essentially one long plug. Mm. So I think, you know, you'll forgive us and you'll forgive him. You can buy the book, by the way, at secondcaptains.com. Eason, Dubray, yeah. US Murph did it better. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I'll let the, the Americans <laughs> always do those things. But let's just get US Murph on any time you have to plug the book between now and yeah. Christmas. But uh, no, do get your hands on that if you if you want. Essentially, you don't have to, but if you would like to buy our book, you can do it there. Now, Pierce Hanley has signed a new contract with the Brisbane Lions in a season or after a season, which he passed the 100 game mark for his club. He's just signed this contract; it's going to keep him there until 2019. And joins us now, Pierce. Great to talk to you. You're already signed up until 2017, as far as I know. Um, so it must be nice to get a bit of long-term stability. Yeah, it is. It is, and uh, it's actually I was um, I was contracted till 2018, so I only extended by a year. I think there was a mix-up along the way, but um, yeah, definitely, it's still, still good to get that extension, and I think it's secured me until till I'm 31. So um, nice security going forward just reading the press release Vice Captain Hanley who's already contracted uh, well that that's a, maybe a different year but Vice Captain Hanley has put pen to paper for an additional uh, year or two on top of that his freakish skills and devastating running game set to light up the Gabba it must be nice to just even hear that praise in print um, that's the first time I've heard it now I don't uh, <laughs> I don't usually uh, read over stuff and I don't like to to, uh, to read articles about myself so it might give me a big head if it's saying stuff like that but that's obviously nice to hear. The running game is mentioned by a lot of people, by uh, a lot of experts there. And I guess when you go over and you've been there a long time now, you do have to relearn a game, but I would assume the running game is maybe something that came from your Gaelic football? Yeah, without doubt, without doubt. Um, that's um, When I was a kid, I, what I used to do, I used to run the football, and obviously over here with the tackle, I had to harness that. I had a few, uh, I had a few rough moments in games where I got put on my bum, but... Um, yeah, I have harnessed that, and um, it's a different dimension because not many of the the Australians do it over here because they're so used to getting tackled. So um, it's good to good to have in the midfield, and it it gives us another uh, another attack 
instead of just using the ball by foot in Brisbane. So I think it's um, it's highly rated here. Well, how have you developed that skill then? If you were getting, as you said, putting your ass early on, is it was it just a matter of essentially improving your physique so you could break the tackle? Were you able to get fast, faster, more elusive? How have you been able to develop that game? Because I can imagine when you're over there early on, you're trying to run through, you're getting busted. It must be a bit discouraging. Yeah, yeah, and they used to encourage it, but then obviously they used to sit me down. And we used to watch Vision every every train and every every game we play. We review it all. So um, I had my own coach who was looking after me in in different areas and kicking, and one was carrying the football and how I could use it and when not to use it. So um, there's all of them things put in place, and yeah, I do like to break tackles. So that's something I've worked on in training. But um, it's amazing um, in in a in AFL, the amount of small skills that go into a game, and you literally have to work on every single one of them. And uh, considering that's my how I play football, I've put a lot of time and effort into it. You've broken through the hundred game barrier now, which is a huge achievement. I, I I don't know what you expected when you first went over. It obviously takes a long time. Did you think you'd be getting to a stage now in 2015 where you'd be well over 100 games and, and signing a new long term contract? Yeah, it's hard to know at the start. Obviously, um, I didn't go too well in my first couple of years, but because um, I had because I had injuries. But when I first came over, I knew um, like the likes of Ty Canelli and then paved the way, so I knew it was possible. And I've always had confidence in myself. So um, I was always that hundred mark was always the goal. Um, I've got four years left on my contract, so if we play finals, then I can get to the two hundred marker. I think uh, Ty was just short of the two hundred game mark unfortunately, but that's something I want to get to now is play 200 games because they're very special around a football club because not many players do it, so that's what I'm striving to do now. How big a deal was the 100th game was against the Sydney Swans? I assume you had family out for it? I didn't have family out, did no. Did you not, no? Um, no, I did. I, I probably did, to be honest. There was games <laughs> my family came out and I was injured, so I'm not sure which games they right, were. Right, okay, for. yeah, yeah. But um, they're over here for, for a fair block, but... Yeah, I think we were beaten pretty well by um, by Sydney in the end, but it was still nice to uh, to get the triple figure mark up. Well, that's the issue at the moment. The, the it hasn't been going well for the team in general. Did that give you any pause for thought about signing for an extent a year extension? No, not really. There's there's free trade and there's all of this sort of stuff coming into AFL now, and you see players moving clubs um, more freely, but. Um, with the Irish background, I'd find it hard to, to move clubs. I'm fairly loyal to Brisbane, and even though we're not going well, I'd rather stay here and try and build something special. And hopefully, at the end of my career, have success, then then maybe go somewhere else. Because they did give me my chance, and they've looked after me, and they've brought Keno out. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just repaying the favour. So hopefully, success follows that in the end. So, by the Irish, by your Irish background, you mean the fact that that they brought you over? They were the ones that gave you the chance. Yeah, but in the Irish background, you don't, you don't. When you're when you're home, where you're born, that's the club you pay for, and then whatever club, wherever that's your, that's your county you play for. So, may all learn to win in all Ireland, which you're not, you're not, you're not going to go play for the Dublin to go win in all Ireland. So that's kind of the mindset I'm in. Whereas I know this is a professional organisation, but I'd rather uh, I'd find it more special now to build Brisbane from the bottom up. We've got a great young team here, and I feel in a couple of years that we can challenge for premiership. So. That's what I'm excited about. It sounds like there must be a good spirit there despite the difficulties on the field then because the way you're talking, you're you're very fond of the club. You seem very connected to it. Yeah, I, I love the club. I love the club. And our issue is we, we've lost a lot of um, we've lost a lot of youngsters over the years that 
are turning into good players now, and uh, they could have been great Brisbane Lions players, but at different clubs now. So that's it. That sets you back when you put time into a footballer like that. So we've kind of been in a rebuilding phase for far too long, which isn't acceptable. But unfortunately, it's what um, what I have to and what the club has to deal with. And uh, we put things in place this year, and the club's in a, in, in a good spot. So hopefully, with our young list now, we can nurture that and hold on to all of our players. You mentioned and in, in a few years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again. I mean, you mentioned your brother there, who who hopefully be there for that. Key and how's he getting on so far? Um, Keane's coming off groin surgery a few months ago and he's um, it's uh, been a slow process his groins are still getting sore so he's still in rehab the good thing with him he's got time on his side so he's aiming to get back for the for the first couple of rounds for the for the reserves but um, yeah it's been a slow process I think uh, me and myself and Keane will go back to Ireland um, next week so I think that's his priority now to get home and get a break but um, unfortunately, he hasn't played a game yet, but hopefully that changes next year for him. What about yourself, fitness-wise? You had hip surgery, which I think is, can can often be quite tricky for a sports person. It's not a, there's no good area to get injured, I suppose. But I have heard people say that hips can be difficult to come back from. But you had your surgery, and you've come back. You seem to have come back pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, I came back very well from my hip surgery. I, I rehabbed them very well. My issue was that I wasn't strong enough. In other areas, like my hamstrings and my back and that, so I, I, I did end up hurting my hamstring once or twice toward in the run into the end of the year. But um, obviously now with a full preseason and not coming off any surgery, I should be strong enough to play every game next year, which I'm excited about. All right, just lastly, Pierce, you've talked in the past, obviously, about <laughs> about your love for Mayo football and everybody would be hoping they could win in All-Ireland at some stage, but you won't be back for the next few years. Is it something you... Can you even have it in the back of your mind now or do you just have to have, have to look at that again in a couple of years' time? Yeah, it's a tough one. I always have it in the back of my mind. But um, like I said, you, you hear me speak of my fondness for Brisbane and, and wanting to build something here. And um, being a vice captain, I, I feel I feel very hard. Um, I feel very hard to leave the club. So um, it's always in the back of my mind. Obviously, there's a lot going on with male football. So the change in management just shows how strongly they feel or how close they are to an All-Ireland. And um, they've got a great, great coach in there now. So hopefully they can go on and win one. It'd be great. There's a lot of great footballers there. Very dedicated as well. So they deserve one. Yeah, well, listen, Pierce, it's great to chat to you. And uh, hopefully you enjoy your break when you get home to Ireland as well. Thanks very much for chatting. No worries. Good to talk to you. Yeah, nice to hear from a guy there who's doing unbelievably well for himself in a tough sport. I know he... He can talk now philosophically enough about the early years and about getting busted in tackles and trying to refine his style. He's also mentioned in the past that probably off the field, the first couple of years, he was drinking too much, as usual, just maybe mm-hmm. uh, adapting from the college lifestyle to the professional sports person lifestyle. But he got over that fairly quickly, I think, and now he's doing unbelievably well. And he explained very well the reasons why he wants to say it to Brisbane Lions, even though they're doing really badly yeah yeah and I'd, I'd certainly the the idea that it was them that that you know gave him the chance to be a professional athlete certainly I would see that like the idea that you would transfer that you would take that idea of one club or one county from the GA and then transpose that onto the professional sport that you're playing mm. even though that culture doesn't actually exist to, to anything like the same extent in that sport I mean yeah, there there are ways of looking at that. I mean, the the GA uh, ideal is obviously you know great, uh, but it also ties you, you know, you're you're enslaved to the club or to the county that you were born in. You can't do anything about it. 
Whereas if you have the chance, and Brisbane have been in the lower half of the, the AFL ladder for the last, ever since he's been playing, uh, if you had the choice and, you you know, the the Mayo thing, in fairness, it doesn't sound like Mayo's going to happen for him. No. I mean, it, you know... It, well, he wants to play, he wants to get the 200 game mark and that's going to take a few seasons. It's It's like four seasons of him playing every game up to the final and even then... You know, it's like you, you know, Brisbane. The idea of Brisbane getting to four grand finals in a row, which is probably what they'd ha- near enough what they'd have to do for him to get to two two hundred mark before twenty nineteen. I mean, it's not going to happen. So you're looking beyond twenty nineteen to twenty 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 one. You know, the guys fairly will f- probably be fairly busted up. I mean, when Ty Kennedy came back, it was obvious that his body was starting to break down just a little bit. So. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think the Mayo thing is gonna gonna happen. So, I mean, if you're a professional athlete in that situation, you have the choice. Why not try and win things? You know, he's good enough now to play for any club in the in the league. Take him. Oh, you so. think he should should leave straight win things rather than say Brisbane? Well, you know, I mean, it, you know, he's he's living it, and that's how he feels. But I think that certainly by the time 2019 comes around, he whatever he owes Brisbane Lions has been paid back, and the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you consider he's been their second or third best player for the last three years, three or four years, so yeah, I would I'd, at that stage, rather than thinking about coming home to win Northern Ireland at Mayo, maybe stay in Australia and win a and win a grand final. There's a big Champions Cup weekend coming up over the next couple of days. It'll be a long shot if you want to have a listen back to Monday's show with Jerry Thornley. Not a very upbeat conversation about the Irish provinces, mostly about Munster in that case. They've obviously got Leicester at home on Saturday night, Ulster against Toulouse is the Friday evening game. Leinster go to Toulon on Sunday with two defeats from two in the bag so far and just about to be put out of their misery, perhaps, Karen. Uh Well, certainly that's how it looks. Toulon stuck 53 points and eight tries on Agen on, uh, the, on la- uh, last weekend. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of pointless in ways running through how many brilliant players they have because everyone knows how... how uh, ridiculous the lineup mm. looks but I mean even the players themselves can't believe who they're playing with Quade Cooper uh, tweeted a photograph uh, after the Agen game of him and Brian Habana and Ma Nanu saying still can't believe that these guys are actually my teammates <laughs> it's like yeah you're not alone there Quade the rest of world rugby is also pretty much a gas it's like that it. it's like when players often you know this thing of swapping shirts at halftime and Oh, maybe respecting the opponents a bit too much. In this case, Quay Cooper is just respecting his teammates in yeah. awe of his teammates. Yeah, I mean, it's it, pretty interesting. Doesn't it? You know, we've we've all seen it. Having a load of brilliant players doesn't guarantee success, but it does take out a lot of the doubts. Uh, I mean, it can't one hundred percent guarantee you it, but uh, as long as you just keep bringing over brilliant players after brilliant players. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to construct an argument for Leinster doing anything in that game. Yeah, we'll have a big chat about it one way or the other on Monday. Hopefully there will be some good news for at least one or two of the Irish provinces over the next couple of days. The Irish Times Second Games Football Podcast will be out today featuring huge performance by Olivier Giroud, a man described as an animal once by Arsene Wenger. I'm not sure anyone else has ever considered him in those terms, but a fairly impressive display last night and also Man United's elimination from the Champions League we'll chat about that as well you can follow us on Twitter at Second Captains facebook.com forward slash Second Captains in the meantime thanks Karen. thank you Owen and thanks for listening even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks Italian leather jackets and so much more 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.